Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. So listen, this is your first time, your first time in a long time, everybody. You're catching us in the middle of a three weeks. This is our third week in this series called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And the Jesus Storybook Bible, everybody, is just an awesome opportunity for us to really know Jesus as the central figure in the entire Bible. We believe Jesus wasn't just a fixture in the New Testament, but he is the central figure in the entire word. And we saw our pastor Dave uh, last week having his devotional time with the Jesus Storybook Bible with his little puppy dog, you see. You know, I thought that was kind of cool. And so, of course, you know, you know, last week I took a picture because me and my family, we're in the Jesus Storybook Bible as well. So this is us uh, after dinner having our time in the Jesus Storybook Bible. And then I got an idea. I was like, you know, our church is doing this, right? I know a lot of you guys have bought the Bible and you're, and you're in it and you're doing it. And I'm like, why, won't, why, why don't we as a church take pictures of us spending time as families reading the Jesus Storybook Bible and we start posting it on Facebook and social media. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? And what that'll happen, yeah. And what it'll do, everybody, is it'll encourage not only our church family, but the people who are following you on social media, the importance of spending time together in the Word, the importance of walking together, the importance of growing together in God's Word. Don't that make sense? Yeah. And so, everybody, I came here today to issue the Jesus Storybook Challenge, all right? So take a picture, post it online, and we want you to use the hashtag storybook challenge, all right? Tag Central Christian and allow us to be a part of that journey with you, all right? So let's do it, 1030. Let's get it done. Let's get it done, all right? And so everybody, if you've been following along with us in the readings, you ought to just be about to get to or maybe just read um, one of my favorite Bible characters in the entire Bible, a dude by the name of Joseph. Yeah, in fact, I titled this message, everybody, Joseph the Dreamer and the Dream. Somebody say dream. dream. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm a dreamer. Do I got any dreamers in the room today? I mean, I had some big dreams. One of my big dreams, and I'm still dreaming, but one of my big dreams, everybody, was to make it to the National Football League, and I was able to do that for 11 years of my life, six as a player, five as Chicago Bears team chaplain, played for the Coastal Bears and the Lions, and everybody, not only was my dream to make it to the league, but I remember my first game. I had a dream of making a first tackle in my very first play in the NFL. And I remember, man, I'm running down the field on the kickoff, and I shake one dude, I shake another dude, and the dude was right there. Yeah, you. That I was going to blow up. But there was just one dude that I thought that was standing between me and blowing him up, and he was a real big dude, looked like this guy. Now, this dude, 6'5", about 320. My rookie year when I played, I'm just under six foot. 203, not a real good matchup. But I'm saying to myself, Q, don't matter. I'm pretty fast, full speed ahead. I'm going to run over that dude, and I'm going to run through the ball carrier. But you know, when you're a rookie in the NFL, they don't always tell you what you need to know, y'all. And what I didn't know is sometimes they have called what you call double team blocks, and there was another real big dude that I didn't see look like this joker right here. Now, this brother... <laughs> This dude about a biscuit away from a heart attack. Look at this dude. 
And so this dude is coming at me. That guy's coming on the side. They hit me at the same time. And everybody, they hit me so hard. Josh, come here. I need your help. Everybody, they hit me so hard. Man, my body literally went from going this way to this way. Yeah. And these dudes drove me down to the ground. My feet was all in the air. Just like this. Oh, hey, hey, take a picture. Take a picture. I appreciate you. Yeah. But everybody, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that even though I got knocked down, I didn't stay down. Even though life dealt me a setback, I didn't allow that setback to make me turn back. I picked myself up, I ran, and I finished that play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, can I hear you say one more time, dream? dream. You know, but see, everybody, that's what a dream will do for you. I wonder if I got a witness in here. You know, a dream, the right dream, will allow you to get back up even when life knock you down. The right dream will allow you to catch your second win even when night, life knocks the first win out of you. It'll cause you to keep running even when you can't physically see where you're going. You keep running because even though you might not be able to see it out here, you might not be able to touch it out here. For you, it's not a fantasy. For you, it's not just a figure of your imagination. For you, it's not just bad pizza. Somebody ought to say amen, right? Yeah, for you, it's not just a made-up story. For you, you see something in here. You can feel it moving up in here. You can taste it. It's real. And for you, it's not just a game. For you, it is real life. Somebody say dream. Dream. Yeah. And everybody, I came to talk to some dreamers this morning. I came to encourage you that, listen, you were created to dream. God made you and wired you to dream. And we get introduced to this guy in Scripture, but I want to say this really quickly, everybody. You know what a dream is? A dream is nothing more than a belief waiting to be born. It's nothing more than a belief that's waiting to be born and birthed out of you. And we're introduced to this character named Joseph, my guy, in Genesis chapter 37, who, even though the Bible says he grew up in Canaan, this dude could have very easily been born in Beloit or the west side of Chicago. Let me tell you some things about Joseph. Now, Joseph, everybody, uh, when he grew up, y'all, he had 11 brothers and one sister, and they all grew up together. How many of y'all grew up in a big, packed, crowded house, right? 11 brothers and one sister. But the thing is, even though he had 11 brothers and one sister, he only had one brother by the same mama and daddy. Yeah. His mother's name uh, was uh, Rebecca, all right? And um, did I get that right? Thank you. His mother's name was Rachel, all right? I keep getting the Rachel and the Rebecca. That was his grandmother, all right? His mother's name was Rachel, and everybody, uh, his father's name was Jacob, and Jacob had another wife who was Rachel's sister. That's kind of real crazy. You married to two sisters. One man married to two sisters. And say Anne. Rachel and Leah had female servants who served them And Jacob slept with them too and had kids. It's crazy, right? One man, four women, 13 kids, all living together. Uh, No, thank you. Right? Right? And then, to make matters worse, everybody, Joseph's oldest brother, Jacob's oldest son, sleeps with one of Jacob's maidservants who he slept with and had kids with. It's in the Bible. 
I'm looking at this, Dave. I'm like, you know what? This is where soap operas came from. The word of God, right? It's absolutely crazy, right? And I don't know if you're here today and you can relate to this level of dysfunction in your family. You know, maybe not this exactly. If it is, we are praying for you at the service because this is just crazy, right? But you can understand this level of just craziness and madness and no level of stability. But everybody, can I tell you, even in the midst of this, there's an amazing verse in in Genesis chapter 37, 5, where it says, and Joseph dreamed a dream. And everybody, I just came to say to somebody here who, who can relate to this level of craziness and madness and mess. Everybody, even in the midst of a messy situation, God can still send you a miracle. Somebody say dream. But if that's you, you need to understand that where your dreams come from, and there's three things that we got to do, everybody. The first thing we got to do is we got to protect our dreams. Say protect our dream. Look at Genesis chapter 37, verse 4, and the Bible says that when his brethren saw that their father Jacob loved him, Joseph, more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. And then Joseph dreamed the dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Now, I got a real quick, quick question for you. Uh, is there somebody in this room today who you ain't never did nothing to this person, but you got some people in your life that just don't like you? They, they just don't like you, right? You ain't did nothing to them, but they just don't like you, right? Now, can, can I say, Kimmy, I'm so glad you raised your hand. Um, those people that don't like you, um, uh, do they make it a secret that they don't like you, right? Is it that they don't like you and you don't know that? No, it's pretty obvious they don't like you, right? They make it obvious about how they look at you, how they treat you, you know, that kind of stuff, right? And my question to y'all is, uh, why would you even think about telling somebody like that something so precious like this, right? Joseph, you had to know them dudes hating on you. And, and to make matters worse, your family, they cray-cray. You seen them, Right? In fact, uh, can I say it like this, everybody? Uh, never share your issues with folk who got issues. <laughs> it's just not smart, right? Thank you. Thank you for that one or two hand claps. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse 23 says, no, guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. And everybody, can I say to you today uh, that guarding your heart, your heart, isn't just talking about your feelings. Somebody say Heart. For my note takers today, that word heart, everybody, literally means your will. That word heart uh, literally means uh, your intellect, right? Uh, Intellect. Intellect speaks to your what, everybody? Your mind, right? Well, where do dreams manifest themselves? They manifest ourselves, Rob, in our mind, right? Well, I would say to you, not only will God send us dreams in our mind, but he'll also, everybody, uh, he'll send us ideas. He'll send us thoughts. He'll send us visions uh, for a business or or a company or an organization or how to move your present company forward. Can I tell you something, everybody? You can't share that stuff with everybody. Everybody can't handle what God is doing in your life. Everybody isn't ready or spiritually mature enough to support and pray and encourage you on your way. So everybody, when you get a God-sized dream, you got to protect that dream. But not only do you need to protect it, everybody, but you got to commit to your dream. Say commit to your dream. Look at this, Um, Genesis chapter 37, verse 9, the Bible says, then he had another dream. That's great. And he told it to his brothers. What are you doing, Joseph? All right. He says, listen, I had another dream, 
And this time, the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Um, how many brothers did I say Joseph had? 11. How many stars was in this dream? You see what he was hinting to his brothers? How y'all think that went over well with them dudes? <laughs> Not too good, right? And then in verse 10, everybody, it says, when he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, boy, what you been smoking? You see it? See it? Yeah. He says, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come down and bow down to the ground before you? Verse 11 says, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Everybody, even his father thought he was talking nonsense. And you know what, everybody, that's okay, because you know what I found out in my 47 years of living, what I found out, everybody, is that people will always readily dismiss what they don't rightly understand. Ooh, almost got it. I said, people will always readily dismiss what they don't rightly understand. Yeah, yeah. And, and here's the point I want to make with that, everybody. See, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks as long as you believe. If nobody else see it, as long as you can see it. If you can see it and you believe it, it gives you the ability uh, to commit to it. Somebody say dream. dream. Yeah. And everybody, you got to commit to your dream because anytime you have big dreams, you will always have big challenges. Can I tell you some of the challenges that Joseph had? Uh, not only are we seeing in Scripture that Joseph didn't have a whole lot of family support because his family wasn't feeling these dreams that he was having, but the Bible says, of course, we learn uh, that his brothers couldn't stand them, and they eventually got him away from his family, and they threw him in a pit overnight, and they were very seriously considered killing Joseph, but then they decided, you know what, we're not going to kill him. We will sell him into slavery. So they sold him for 20 pieces of silver to some slave traders, and they took Joseph 5,200 miles away from his hometown to Egypt, where Joseph ended up being sold by the slave traders to the bodyguard of the most powerful man on the planet. The bodyguard's name was Potiphar, and he was the personal bodyguard of Pharaoh, who was the most powerful man uh, in the world. He was the king of Egypt, right? And so here's Joseph in this crazy situation, but the good news is in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Yeah. And Joseph found himself, everybody, a slave to the personal bodyguard of Pharaoh, Potiphar. And he ended up going from being a, foreign, uh, a foreigner in a foreign land, in a foreign house where nobody knew him or his God, everybody, to eventually, the Bible says, he ended up running the whole mansion. Joseph was the boss. He was in charge, right? He ended up being this kid uh, where was being told what to do. Now he calling the shots. Now he telling the Egyptians what to do in the house. Now instead of him answering to them, now they are answering to him. Because see, if God be for you, I don't care where you are. I don't care what you lack. I don't care when you got started. He can make a way for you out of no way. He can open a door, everybody, where there were no doors to be in the first place. God, if God be for you, baby, he's more than the world against you. Yeah. Because the Lord was with Joseph. And the Bible says, everybody, that while he was running things in the house in Genesis 39, Potiphar's wife started peeping Joseph. And was like, oh, he cute. 
And the Bible says, everybody, that she noticed him because Joseph in chapter 39, verse 6 says, he was well built and handsome. How many of y'all saw the Super Bowl this weekend? And I remember when uh, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback for the Kansas City, he scored a touchdown. You know, his little his touchdown move was to flex. He's like, ah! He's shaking his head with, ah! He was doing that, right? And can I tell you, uh, Joseph didn't have to do that because the Bible said he was already well built. So he didn't have to flex. He just walked around like that. He just kind of, hey, how you doing? Joseph, where the vase go? Oh, it goes over there. It goes over there. He was that guy, right? And so everybody, but in verse 7, the Bible says that Potiphar's wife, after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, yo, let's get it in. You see it? Come to bed with me. And the Bible says, even though she came at him, Joseph refused her advances. And when he refused her advances, the Bible says she got in her feelings and she jammed him up, caused Joseph to catch a case, and Potiphar actually ended up putting him in prison. Now, I just shared with you that the Bible says that Potiphar's wife um, was coming after Joseph and he refused her. And y'all just kind of sat there like that was nothing. See, I told y'all, y'all be reading the Bible too fast. You got to understand what was happening here, right? First of all, this is Potiphar, the personal bodyguard of the most powerful man on the planet. Listen, thank you. Are you starting to understand? I appreciate it. Now, if you the most powerful, y'all the only crowd that got this. Now, if you the most powerful man on the planet, do you have any restrictions on who you can have by your side? Thank you. And this is a dude that's a step down from Potiphar. I can understand if Joseph was saying no to this lady. I mean, you're not impressing me with that. I mean, I say no to that. I mean, you know, whatever, right? But this ain't who he was saying no to. These, this woman was looking something like these ladies. You understand? Yeah. And you need to understand this. The Bible says, everybody, in verse 10, that it wasn't just one advance. The Bible says she was coming after him. She spoke to Joseph day after day after day after day. And y'all, the Bible says she spoke to him, right? You understand, she didn't just speak to him. She spoke to him. (laughs) Hey, Joseph. You understand what I'm saying, right? But it was so good. And this is why I admire this guy. Because even though she was coming on to him like that, The Bible says, everybody, in verse 8, he refused and said um, to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything in my charge. He is not even greater in this house than I am, and he owned the place. Nor has he kept anything back from me except for you because you're his wife. So he says, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Can I tell you why Joseph was able to do this? Because not only did he say committed to his dream, but he stayed committed to his God. Somebody ought to say amen. Yeah. I think Joseph had the conversation, and he was like, you know what? This is, this is crazy. I'm a Jewish boy 5,200 miles away from home, snatched wrongly from my homeland, and here I am now running the mansion of the personal bodyguard of the most powerful man in the world. How in the world does that happen? That doesn't happen anyplace else on the planet. 
But here's what I recognize. I recognize that it's not my mind that got me here. It's not my muscle that got me here. It's not my might that's keeping me here. It's only my Messiah God that could have orchestrated something like this. And I will not dishonor him for a moment just for a pleasure of you. Yeah. That's why I look up to this dude. This dude is a real guy. He stayed stayed committed to his dream and he stayed committed to his God. And as a reward of his commitment, he got thrown in prison. Thanks a lot, Jesus. I mean, seriously, have have you ever felt that way? You do the right thing. You make the right decision. And even though you do the right thing and you make the right decision, you get knocked five steps backwards. Right? It's almost like you say to yourself, well, dang, if this is my reward for doing the right thing, I might as well went on here and did the wrong thing like everybody else doing. Right? But can I tell you, even though he was thrown in prison, Genesis chapter 39, verse 21 says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And guess what happened? Joseph started running to prison. Now he the boss of the jail. He in the prison, everybody, and the Bible says um, that two chief servants of the most powerful man in the planet, Pharaoh, end up being in Joseph's care. And they have dreams. Not only did Joseph have dreams, but he had the ability to interpret dreams, right? And so he was like, oh, what's going on? Man, we had these dreams. Joseph's like, well, tell me about the dreams. Joseph interprets the dream. And he, and he says, now listen, everybody, when it goes well with you, verse 14 says this. It says, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me up out of this prison. I was forcefully carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Somebody say dungeon. Can I just say to somebody here today, maybe as we've been going through this lesson, you kind of can identify with this. Some of this sounds familiar to you. Maybe you've been fighting through a tough time and you're not exactly where you want to be in life either, like Joseph. Maybe you're not doing exactly what it is that you want to be doing right now. But can I tell you, can we take a lesson from Joseph today? Because what I learned from him is, see, whatever season of life, everybody, you may be going through right now, uh, no matter where you are, never allow where you are to change who you are. You are a child of the Most High God. And and see, what Joseph is teaching us is you can still be dedicated to your dream even uh, while you're dwelling in the dungeon. Because you remember who you are and you remember just like Joseph, guess what? The Lord is with you. And so here he is. He's in this dungeon and was left in there, y'all, for two years. Right? Right? It just seemed like Joseph couldn't catch a break. And maybe some of you in here today, you may feel like that because just like my football story, life has knocked you down. Or life has pushed you around. Or you feel like maybe life has made you a non-believer in dreams. And can I tell you why for some of y'all it's been like that and why it may feel like the devil is just attacking you and attacking you and attacking you? I need you to get this before you leave here today. See, the devil, everybody, is not necessarily after your health, though he may attack you physically. The devil is not necessarily after your reputation, though he may try to smear that and bring it down. The devil, everybody, is not necessarily after your life, but the devil, everybody, is after your dreams. And you say, why is he after our dreams? Well, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. 
And the enemy knows this, everybody. If he can kill your dream, he can kill your future. If he can steal your dream, he can steal away your hope. If he can derail your dreams, he can destroy your destiny. And that's why, everybody, it's important that we got to protect our dream. we got to stay committed to our dream. Here's the last thing, everybody. Uh, your dream coming true, watch this, is not just about you. Yeah, yeah, your dream coming true is not just about you. And let me pull it out on this, because some of you here today, you might be struggling with this because you've had dreams, and you've had them for years now, and for whatever reason, they haven't materialized yet. They haven't been born yet to your satisfaction. Maybe stuff hasn't happened in your timing, and maybe you feel like, well, because it ain't happened the way I thought it was going to happen, when I thought it was going to happen. Hey, it's never going to happen. I missed my boat. That window was closed for me. That season of my life is over. But yet the dream in your mind still remains. And you may be saying to yourself, well, doggone it. I know this season is over. I know this door is closed. But God, why are you torturing me with this dream? Why do I still keep having these ideas? And why didn't it seem to get smaller? But why does it seem to get bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger? And can I, can I tell you something? What if your dream isn't just your dream? but it's God's dream for you. And the reason he wants you to protect your dream and commit to your dream is because your dream coming true is not just about you. Listen, Pharaoh had a dream, most powerful man on the planet, had a dream. His people couldn't uh, interpret the dream. And the cupbearer was in there. He was like, I know a dude that can do it. He interpreted my dream. They reached for Joseph, pull him out of the prison and stand him before the most powerful man on the planet. And Joseph doesn't flinch. Standing in front of a dude that don't know his God, that if he didn't like to look at you, would have you decapitated just like that. And he stands in front of Pharaoh, and he interprets Pharaoh's dream like he was just some dude. Because, see, he never forgot who he was. And he says, hey, Pharaoh, God has interpreted your dream. Here's what he said. You're going to have seven years of plenty. It's going to be lit. You're going to love it. But here's the problem. Right after that seven years of plenty, it's going to be seven years of famine, the worst famine the planet has ever seen, and it's going to wipe out everybody and everything, and nobody will survive. And so here's what you got to do. You got to find a guy who will be the governor of your land and will put aside one-fifth of the harvest of the seven years of plenty away so that when you go to the seven years of lack, everybody will have food and nobody will perish. Pharaoh hears that. He was like, great, you're hired. And he hires Joseph to be that man. And in an instant, everybody, Joseph goes from a prisoner to the prince of the entire world right under Pharaoh. He literally goes from a slave to a savior. And why? Because Pharaoh discerned that Joseph had a solution to the problem he was facing. And everybody... The, the Bible literally says that the entire world was forced to come to Joseph in Egypt and bow down before him and ask for bread because there wasn't any food anywhere except for in the land of Egypt. And even Joseph's brothers, y'all, some 13 to 15 years later, show up in front of Joseph and are bowing down, all right, to him. And even though they didn't recognize who he was at the time because it had been some 13, 15 years earlier, the Bible says that Joseph, when he saw them, he recognized that now that not only that his dream was coming true, 
but he also more importantly recognized the purpose of why he had those dreams in the first place. Everybody, why is your dream so important? It's because what if your dream isn't your dream, but it's God's dream for you? What if your dream is literally the solution to somebody else's problem? Can I tell you, church, we're closing with this, but uh, God has a dream for your life. And it is so big and so important to him that he sent his son, Jesus, who also, by the way, y'all, was betrayed by those who was closest to him. Y'all remember that? Who also, just like Joseph, was sold out for some pieces of silver. Who also, just like Joseph, was falsely accused and died the most painful, excruciating death known to man, death on the cross, for a crime he didn't commit, just like Joseph didn't commit any crimes. And he did it all, everybody, just for you just for you. And why did he do it? Because he knew there was a famine coming. We had a famine called sin. And oh, by the way, sin, that means you're separated from God. Yeah. And and everybody, uh, he knew that there would be people starving of hunger, trying to fill that hunger with everything that the world offers, like money and women and men and cars and clothes and possession. And he knew the only thing that would fill that starving need that people had all over the world was bread, the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Yeah. How do you know when you have a God-sized dream? Everybody, you know you have a God-sized dream when your dream isn't just about you. Isn't just about you getting yours. But your dream is a solution to somebody else's problem. Hey, everybody, can I tell you God's dream for you is to know him? not only personally now, but all of eternity. And his dream for you also is not only for you to know him, but to make him known. Make him known in any space, any place, any area that you occupy. That's his dream for you. His dream is to not see any man, woman, or child perish, but that all of us would come to repentance and know who he is for eternity. That's why we're doing that resolve stuff out there. That's why we got you praying for your friends and your family and people and coworkers. We want you to accomplish not only your dream, but God's dream for you. And everybody, I want to give somebody the excuse to dream again. Maybe if you've allowed your dreams to die, can I say to you, uh, your dream is too important to let go by the wayside. God wants to use you and your dream to do something for somebody else to make his name great and to accomplish his purposes in the earth realm. Can we dare to dream again, ladies and gentlemen? Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.